0: This is Catherine Parker from The Haunting of Hill House. You're listening to Derek Thomas
1: and the Monday Morning Critic Podcast. This is D.B. Sweeney from The Cutting Edge, and you are listening to Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast.
0: Hey, this is comedian Jim Florentine, and you're listening to the Monday Morning Critic Podcast. General Zod, for the crimes of murder and high treason, the council has sentenced you and your fellow insurgents to 300 cycles of somatic reconditioning do you have any last words
1: you won't kill us yourself you wouldn't sully your hands but you'll damn us to a black hole for eternity Jarrell was right you're a pack of fools every last my next guest is a generally humble and kind man. He's extremely talented. The diversity of his roles is unmatched. Please welcome actor Julian Richings. Julian, how is life treating you today? How is life in general?
0: It's very good, thank you. I'm enjoying myself, and I'm happy to see summer's here.
1: So i got to say, you know, just researching your life, you know, when I start researching, it takes about two to three hours, sometimes four or five, depending on somebody's life. So I'm, I'm Googling, I'm just because that's how I start, and then I work. through okay. I don't want to give away my methods because I don't want people copying me. But when I <laughs> when I initially Googled your name, and, and I knew what, I figured it out very quickly. But I'm like, I Julian Richings, and it says death. I'm like, oh my god, I just talked to him. There's no way he's dead. And I, I put right. the two together. I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I'm glad to see you're alive and well. And- I am. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was so freaked out because I'm like, I definitely just spoke to him. So um- yeah, yeah,
0: well, alive and well. <laughs> and living in Ontario, and and all all is good. Yeah, it's a character that I've actually played a few times, but it, it's um, it's really come into its own uh, in, with my performance in in the show Supernatural because it just has a a massive reach. And yes. here we are in season fifteen. So, you know, if you Google me, uh, that comes up immediately.
1: And, and it's amazing because it has a following that's like very similar, in my opinion, to the Walking Dead universe that has a huge, massive following. You know, it's amazing what people. You know, they almost look at you. It's hard to explain these cult. I don't want to call it a cult show because I would imply that it's not popular because it's super popular. But it's like right. it's got this like you said it well. It's got a massive, massive following. It has, and
0: it's it's a very specific demographic that's evolved, and and it's got its own sense of identity too. It's it it looks at itself as a community, and what's been interesting for me is the evolution of the convention phenomenon. And that's been very much a part of the supernatural story where uh, the conventions have kind of tagged the show and they've become more and more popular. At first, they they worked against the, the wishes of the show producers. They didn't want everybody involved in this kind of secondary activity. But now it's become very much a part of the whole thing and uh, appearances by actors in these conventions are a great opportunity to kind of redefine the um, the relationship between the fan base and the, the actors. It, it's been very interesting.
1: Yeah, and, and I'm so happy you said that. You pretty much stole my next question. I was going to say, I, I have watched you at these conventions because they're all over the place. I watch you, the interviews done with people – you're very good to other people, I, I, and I noticed that about you. What has been your take on the convention scene, personally? Do, do, do you, do you like Do you like the convention scene? Is that something you like? I mean, is
0: well, I started off, you, you know, um, the Galaxy Quest, the, the great movie Galaxy yes. Quest, where where Alan Rickman is there and he's going, I played Richard III once and here I am, this <laughs> ridiculous situation. You know, I must admit, I had a bit of that and I'm going, oh, yeah, like I'm a serious actor. I, I don't necessarily want to be defined by a specific role in a specific show. And so I was a a little hesitant, and then I began to kind of relax into it. I did a few of these appearances, And I I can't speak for all the different shows and all the different spin-offs that there are, but the one in Supernatural is actually quite special because there are so many supporting actors that uh, a nucleus has been formed around a band. Uh, A couple of musicians, a couple of the characters, Rob Benedict and Richard Spate, Mm -hmm. are musicians themselves and they have bands. And these bands perform the glue or provide the glue for the entire weekend with karaoke, is uh concerts uh, an opportunity for uh, fans and performers to get up and uh do a, a thing you know oh there's your dog <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh you have a very sensitive dog in the background <laughs> ah dear but, but, uh, but uh, yeah so so it's 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 been a, a great opportunity actually to kind of Recalibrate my theater skills and my one-on-one interactions with an audience. I, I've enjoyed myself, especially as I've got to relax into them and understand the value of them.
1: Yeah, I, you stole my next question. I, I was going to say <laughs> your your because I know you. And we're going to get into this—the real heart of, of of your you know developing into an actor. But you know, you, you have a great theater background. But I almost think it's like a 50-50 thing here, Julian. I feel like it's um, it is theater for sure. But I almost feel like a lot, I've seen you speak to these people uh, at the conventions. It's, it's just this wonderful interaction. And I almost, it reminds me a little bit of stand up comedy. You are gifted in that way, I feel like. Um, well, you- well, I've
0: been given permission to. Don't forget that, you know, the character that I play, Death, it actually <laughs> gives me amazing permission. You know, I walk on stage and I smile. And people can't believe it. They expect me to come on like the Grim Reaper and to, to devastate everything in my sight and to be serious and introspective. So if I'm just my natural self and I make a joke, I mean, I've got the audience in the palm of my hand. So, so it's such a gift mm. uh, to go from there and to just, um, just be myself, really. And, and that's what I kind of learned to be. You know, it's the classic actor thing where you, you, you try to actually be natural rather than put on airs and graces. And eventually you end up with something that's genuine and people can relate to.
1: Yes. And, and the last word being the key one, genuine, because I really feel like when you're talking to people, it is coming across as genuine. They feel like it's just two people talking, where, you know, I've covered conventions, I've, you know, been to many of them. Sometimes, and, and I'm not going to name specific actors, but it seems like many times it's a forced thing. Kind of. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here because I'm paid to be here, and I'm going I'm just gonna kill off ten to fifteen minutes. Well, with you, it's like just two friends sharing a story. It's it's very sincere, very genuine. I'm glad you said that. Well, I I enjoy it, and and you
0: have to remember, underneath it all, I, I have this philosophy where really actors, I think, at their finest are empty vessels, mm. and uh, they you know they're available to absorb whatever is required to tell the story. So often, an actor isn't honestly, as fascinating and interesting as people make out. So I, I, and I, I'm the same where if so I'm put on the spot, you know, in an interview like this, a conversation that we're having, I sort of feel forced to, to become interesting. And um, unless I keep reminding myself that, no, 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 you can just be yourself. It's it, it, it's tricky. It's, it's, there, there's a tendency for actors to over-decorate.
1: Right. No, I get it. I get it. And, you know, if if at all during any of these, if I'm wrong, please call me on it. But you're born in England for sure. And you said, is it Hampstead? Do I have that right? No, I I have two uh,
0: um, versions of of my truth. I don't know
1: how. (laughs)
0: Somebody somewhere thinks that I was born in Hampstead. The truth is that I was born in Oxford. OK. In England, right in the middle of the country.
1: Gotcha. And, And you did go to the University of Exeter. Is that correct?
0: Correct. Yes. I didn't go to the traditional drama school. I went to a university uh, in the 70s. There there was a sense of a changing time in English theatre. Uh, where the old repertory theater system was collapsing, television was becoming more important, but then so was community theater. Right. And uh, Exeter was a pioneer uh, looking at um, physical theater, uh, the theater practiced by Jerzy Grotowski in Poland, um, Asian theaters, Commedia dell'arte, uh, different different influences on theater, not the traditional English thing of, you know, English actors are terribly good at speaking from the throat up, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, so so I was part of a, a bit of an alternate movement in England in the 70s.
1: Yeah, and I had, a, um, a, a two weeks ago, I had an English actor, he was in Game of Thrones, he was in uh, Ricky Gervais's new Netflix special, and I had to kind of, because he, really, he was really sweet about promoting the interview, and he said, I had a natter... With Derek and I'm like, what does a natter mean? And I looked it up. <laughs> it's a, it's a conversation. I feel like a yeah. fool. I'm like, is he making up words? Like, I'm like, what's a natter? And but so I, I get you didn't go the traditional route, but what is what was your focus there? Did did your focus help you with your acting career in the long run? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it prepared me uh, completely as an actor, but the emphasis was
0: more sort of on physical impulses, on being a um, a. a an actor that could do a lot of things and that would move intuitively with the body, so that um, speech sort of came last. We 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 were trained physically. We did a lot of yoga at the time, which was considered to be a very unorthodox way wow. of training. You know, in mm-hmm. the seventies, and and we 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 kind of we we followed um, specific disciplines, so that w- when we came through at the end, we were. Well, equipped to um, really work in any language because the physicality made us articulate in our bodies. And that's something that I've always maintained is that I do feel that I'm a physical actor and um, I try to bring an entire physicality to my performance.
1: And, and I would imagine your theater background was huge in that. And before I get to that, is there, and I always ask this of all my actors, is there a mentor or mentors or somebody that you definitely credit for being where you are today? No, uh,
0: not one specific person. Series of influences, you know, um, movies that I saw when I was a kid uh, that influenced me and inspired me. Um, Figures in my childhood that um, encouraged me to act because uh, growing up in England in the 60s and 70s, there were no drama programs in school. Um, one of the main influences actually was my older brother who had this peculiar talent. He used to build things, he used to build environments and f- fairgrounds and circuses. Mm. And um, he needed somebody to fill them. So I would be the ringmaster for him or we would build um, a a haunted house in our back shed and get the neighborhood kids coming in. And I would be the ghost and I would do all these different things. So I and then my parents were smart enough to realize he has a strange talent. He has to go to a youth club where they put on plays and build scenery. Everybody else wanted to be an actor. But my brother built the sets and became a scene designer in the theater. How cool is that? That is really yeah yeah and I, then I went to the same youth club that put on the same plays that I'd been helping him build the scenery and then when I was older I became an actor and then I actually have a younger brother that went to the same youth club and became a lighting designer right so so I'm I'm very aware of um, how everybody is creative we have these urges within us it's just if they're harnessed at the right time in your life.
1: And kudos to your parents for, you know, it sounds like they were very supportive in what you wanted to do, and, and, or even more so realizing the potential that you had.
0: Yeah, the, and uh, very lower middle class, um, post-war uh, English people with, without much uh, education, but a sense of wanting to do the best for their kids. So we were very fortunate.
1: And it's always amazing to me, Julian, too, because I, I, I have this conversation a lot. And, and it's amazing how many actors have parents that were un, very much unlike your parents, where they were like, get something that's more concrete, get some, You know, I mean, just it, it brings to mind I saw Rocket Man last week, the adversity on right. John with, you know, non supportive parents. I have actors that have the same story. So, I mean, it could have went a different way if your parents, could not have went, actually, let me ask that. Could it have went a different way if your parents weren't, did, didn't see that true potential that you had? Um, I think I would have
0: found some way of harnessing the need to perform. I'm a middle child and I think I innately am an actor. I realize that I'm a different mask to different people, uh, and I sometimes question who I am, really. I think I've mentioned that already, mm-hmm. about the whole sense of, you know, actors being empty vessels, and that's emphasized, too, with middle children who I think often turn out to be performers. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I could have taken it to sport or to politics or to something, but I do think that we we find something, we find some outlet or, or – most people are fortunate enough to in some way or another.
1: And, and do you tour with the theatre company in England or in Canada? Well, I, I started off in England. Uh, I was for about
0: three or four different theatre companies. And then one of them started to tour internationally in the late 70s, early 80s. We toured Chicago, New York and Toronto. Uh, I loved all three cities, but I struck a Particular chord with Toronto felt like it was a center for an evolving theater scene, and television and film was also beginning to mature. And there was a, a distinctly Canadian voice that was separating itself from its British roots and its American influence just across the border. So there was a real sense that matched my sense of exploring. Myself, who I was, and and my need to kind of find an identity. So I I, um, I stayed. I, I stayed in in Toronto. I loved it. I loved the the. Difference, the landscape, the vastness of the place, but also the diversity of all the different cultures in, in Toronto. And then I met my wife, who's a Toronto woman, and uh, I've been here permanently for
1: 35 years. Wow, wow, very cool. And, you know, before I get too serious on you, um, you you're known for saying this, and I think when you say this at conventions, people love it uh, is your love for junk food, correct? Oh, absolutely.
0: And that's one of the the funny things that's uh, sort of a coincidence on the show, Supernatural, where my character enjoys pizza and hot dogs and tamales (laughs) and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was perfect. I, I remember when, when I first came to New York, everybody was eating pizza. I couldn't believe it. And being English and, and growing up in an English food environment, I seriously thought uh, New York pizza was health food. I thought, <laughs> but there, you can see green peppers on top, it's amazing.
1: <laughs> That's great, and, and you know you you, um, you you mentioned that, and but you can, you can in, in your repertoire, what people don't realize is that I believe you also sing. Correct? Is am I, am I wrong with that, or am I right with that? Uh, but, well, you're right, but very badly.
0: Oh. I, I really I, I I I can perform or deliver or fake, but I'm really not a singer, so I'm not at my strength singing.
1: How about teaching? Have you done that,
0: Um Yeah, yeah, I I, I enjoy it too. I, I've um. You know, your career fluctuates and there are periods of unemployment and there are periods where you just have to throw about five plates up in the air and hope something's going to land. During some of those times, I've worked as uh, a guest artist in schools. I really enjoy that. Um, I particularly like working with uh, young audiences that are going to theatre for the first time, mm. young audiences in projects and stuff that kind of go to the theatre thinking it's going to be very stuffy and very inaccessible. I like to break it down and to make them feel welcome and to un- uh, try and enable them to understand the place and feel, feel comfortable.
1: And, and I'm trying to throw a timeline on your arrival in Canada. Was that around 1984? Am I right with that? A, uh, a bit earlier, actually. I first
0: came in 80 and I went back and forth and then I landed permanently in 84.
1: So uh, along the lines of teaching, along the lines of acting, do you find that it's changed a lot from 2019 to 19, the whole process of of, of landing a role, of, of the whole just career, uh, the, the, the art of acting, do you find it's changed a lot in, in, in the time between when you arrived in Canada and where you are today? Yeah, I mean, the industry has developed and evolved. Um, I mean, simple things like I
0: can now audition for a show in L.A. I can do a self-tape um, in my uh, basement with my wife uh, on my cell phone, you know. Um, so there, there's a sort of a, an easiness uh, about and, and a volume of product that that is out there. Um, I guess the, the the challenge is to maintain the quality. I'm very aware that it, it's great and it's democratic that people can just take a, a camera into the subway or wherever and create their own uh, film, but there is so much out there. The challenge is to get a good script, to adhere to traditional values and, and professionalism.
1: Yeah, and and I I talked to, there's a few of my guests do teach, and, you know, I asked them, he said, you know, those that really want it are are fantastic students, but one of my guests said he noticed there's a little bit of a change, you know, you have these younger actors, and I'm not trying to be negative, but, you know, on their cell phones on set, they're not, I don't know, like, if I was working with you when I was an actor and I was up and coming, I would be asking you questions left and right to the point where you'd have to tell me to get away from you, right? Because I always feel like there's no teacher-like experience. Do you find that that's the case, or... What, what are,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, film sets are a very different place, as is everywhere. Uh, you know, I mean, the the cell phone is pervasive. So, yes, in between takes, people have their cell phones out. They're looking at messages. Um, it, it is distracting, but that's a universal problem. That's not unique to film and television. That's a good. We point. are we are just an extension of that, and after all, we represent our current world. So, I I don't. I don't kind of look at younger actors and go shame on you, shame on you young <laughs> fellow. You know, it's, it's just that, that and pe- people are focused in their own way. Um, we as a culture just have to work with it. And, uh, recalibrate our values, I think. We uh, re- become aware of our listening. Our listening habits have to change. Um, our distraction has to be worked on. I mean, I'm the worst culprit. You know, I, I, I find it very hard to sit down and read a book. There is so much information coming at me and there is so much... A uh, product out there that you know to actually sit and think is a very difficult thing. I think that's why I love acting. Actually, is that it gives me an opportunity to sink myself into a simple road map of emotions.
1: Yeah, that's well said. And you know, there's there's over two hundred. You know, whether it's TV or film projects in your filmography. Uh, some of my favorites. I just wanted to throw at you. Uh, one of the more underrated movies of all time, The Red Violin. Um, oh yeah, what a wonderful movie that is! And what I mean, it's just your 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 open range, Cube, The Witch, Percy Jackson, The Very Underrated Man of Steel, which might be one of the best superhero movies of all time, and um, yeah. Wrong Turn, which I I had Rob Schmidt on the show, the director, and. Um, he he, he's a different cat. He's got a, he's got a, a a unique way about him. Um, talk about that making of wrong turn and just that whole horror genre in in general. How do you like it? Uh, I love working with special effects. I, I have the
0: kind of face that, you know, it's very angular. So uh, I get cast as aliens or, uh, monsters and I actually like it. You know, it goes back to me having two brothers that are designers. I'm well aware of how, um, designers and artisans can actually make an actor look really good and uh i i really enjoyed wrong turn it was my opportunity to work with stan winston uh to go down to Yeah. yeah yeah and to go down to his workshop in la and to um to, to kind of get a sense of where he was coming from. And then we shot it away from L.A. We shot it in Canada, but we had some of his team come up and we had other uh, special effects artists take the different characters. I sat for four hours to get the makeup on, and it was two hours to get it off. This was, uh, I guess, 20 years ago when um, it was full-on... Um, prosthetics and um, the, the glue and all the technology was a little different and a little more hands-on. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I, there's a surrender that you have to get used to and um, and uh, a, a kind of a humility, I guess, because you have to al- allow those four hours in the chair to become your prep. You can't fight it. You have to say, OK, I'm in my process now and I'm beginning to transform. And it's actually for me, it's a fun transformation. Um as long as you can get past the smell of the glue and the, the <laughs> stickiness and all that stuff. I also had the opportunity to, in Cube to to have um, full-on old-school special effects where I get chopped up yes. into pieces. great scene. And, yep. uh, and it, it was. It was a great scene. And it was really more time was spent on that scene than the rest of the movie put together because it was the the jolt at the beginning of the movie. And it was in the old days where there was no, um, CGI. It was, we had to have body, um, like a body cast and we had to keep matching shots and, and stop and start and stop. It took forever to do the scene, but it was, it was really rewarding. And, um, I, I, I love that whole idea of, uh, the minutiae of detail
1: yeah and so you said, four hours in the chair for wrong turn for the makeup was that every single day on set?
0: yeah, four wow. hours to put it on, and then at the end of the day, two hours to take it off because we needed the pieces uh, in one piece for the following day, you know we had a, two or three backups, but we had to reuse them and just take them off very very carefully um yeah, it, it was. It got to be a lot. Uh, the skin obviously gets very sensitive. You know, if you're shooting for three consecutive days, which we did occasionally, but the, the producers would try and space it out. Stan Winston was one of the producers, and he knew well about special effects and and how to make them work. So he would try and plan it that we would get a couple of days where we didn't have anything on, and then we would come back to the chair and then do a couple of days. So it worked out, and and it's one of those things where you look back on it and think, ah, it was great. And at the time, of course, you think, oh my god, when's this <laughs> going to end? It's like a, a trip on the plane to Australia or something.
1: Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah. How long? Um. So how many days was that for? So I know it's every day. So how many- how many days was that for? Was it for months? Was it for? Um, it was on and off for for one month, I think. Wow.
0: Uh, but yeah, so it was quite some time.
1: I would think you probably want to make the makeup artist your best friend at that point because
0: uh, <laughs> the report yeah. has to
1: be pretty pretty healthy there, right?
0: Yeah. And, you know, we talk about the four hours in the chair. Well, that's easy because uh, I'm passive during that. But then when I start to get active and I start to move, I obviously sweat and I pull some of the, the uh, glue and stuff. I need to be maintained all the time. So I have a team of two or three people coming around and touching me and poking me. And, you know, every time I, I try to drink something through a straw, it has an effect on the lips, you know. so And so it goes. So um, the, a lot of patience was and a lot of communication there were times when uh the the special effects guys knew it was they needed to give me some space you know it's like let's not touch him for the next 20 minutes
1: (laughs) yeah and you know it's 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 one of my favorite horror movies of all time because it looks good the prosthetics look good the makeup looks good and the story is fantastic so it's like it all works right yeah, yeah, it does. It's, and um, Stan Winston had this theory, you know, where you don't
0: overplay your monster, just like Spielberg with uh, Jaws, you know, with right. the shark. Right, You know, so so we were there and we came in and I think he, he, it was his mastery of the form.
1: No, that's well said. And, and so how about some of the other movies, like Man of Steel? You know, people could say, see, I'm a big believer in movies and everyone adds to everybody in that cast. I mean, your part is a big part. You set up the, the movie, your character does. Um, yeah. Was that a great experience for you? you it was, that? yeah. Yeah, I felt a little guilty because I grew up
0: in England and I grew up with English comics, not American comic books. Right. So, really, the whole Superman thing, you know, is. It's not in the bones for me. Uh, I, I mean, I, I appreciate it and I like it. So when I was cast, I would secretly tell people that I was in Superman. And some of my friends would just go insane. They couldn't believe it, you know. And, and I felt guilty because it, it's not one of those things where I go, oh, my God, you'll never guess what I am. And then they'd say, who are you playing? Who are you playing? And I'd go, el, el, and they'd go oh, come on. You don't know who you're playing? You know, so, so there's that kind of attitude. But I, I had a great time. I mean, working with Russell Crow and Michael Shannon, you know, I mean, what, what a gift and, uh, two very different styles, but two very strong, um, presences that, that, you know, were, were fun to work with.
1: And whether it's your uh, friends or, or children, is there a favorite that your friends always bring up? I mean, Supernatural aside, or from Black, Phenomenal aside, is there a movie that people bring up to you, the people that are close to you that they love or, or that you're always surprising them with that's really that's – that's their favorite that you always hear repeatedly or is it just your whole body of work in general?
0: um th- there's a, a rock and roll movie i did a punk movie called hardcore logo okay yeah and it's the name of a punk band it's a, re- a punk band reuniting in the 90s going on a disastrous tour and what they do is they come to a farm and they meet their old guru a kind of um an iconic uh, iggy pop kind of godfather mm. type person and that's i play that person and and it that was a fabulous experience. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I really identify with the punk scene. Uh, um, music is a, is a big part of my life. So um, that's a particular favorite of mine. And a lot of people, it's influenced a lot of people and a lot of bands, too. Uh, there's even a band uh, called Billy Talent that's named after one of the characters in the movies. Um, it's, it's, and, and it's refreshing to see that the, the movie hasn't dated uh, we, we actually shot it as a mockumentary before The Office and before mockumentaries were the done thing. The only preceding movie like it was Spinal Tap. Mm. And the di- director started off with the premise of, I want to make Spinal Tap's nasty little brother. <laughs> and and it, indeed it was. And we, we submitted it to the Berlin Film Festival as a documentary and it got accepted. And people didn't realize that it was actually a crafted independent film. Um, it, it really does. It, at the time, especially, it broke all the rules. It had a moving camera. It had a, a camera crew within the the film itself. It had all sorts of um, diversions and, and explosions within the band that seemed spontaneous. So it it, it, it was great. I, I felt very proud of that.
1: Yeah, and you clearly have you know you have fun with the role of death and supernatural. You clearly had fun with that role. Is there a a genre like you enjoy when you see the movie or you read the script. Is there a genre you see where it's like you're you're very excited about versus one that you're like, eh, okay, I guess? Or is it just simply all about the work for you, Julian?
0: It really is all about the work. I'm I'm an actor. I enjoy um, doing you know diverse things. Like it's 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 my permission to go do crazy things right and um, generally uh, the characters i play are pretty extreme or if not extreme uh, i should say like primary colors like um you know i'll come into a series or a movie with a primary color and knock it off center or or provide an energy that is then taken on and and just maybe slightly changes the direction of of the plot um, so that's fun. I love doing that. I gotta say that I also the other man's grass is always greener. I, I I I would kind of like to be in the situation where I would be the the provider of the story or or I, I would be the long distance runner who's carrying the show, mm, you know? Mm. I, I rarely get to do that because I I have this kind of extreme energy about me. So um, I must admit that if ever that came along, I would be very happy. I mean it does from time to time, but that's you know the more that that would be an unconventional role for me, and I would embrace it
1: yeah that's that's well said and you know is there I, i've been going back and forth how to ask you this is there a Acting version of you know authors have writer 's block is there a acting version of that where, where you 're just stuck or you find a way? How can I be more creative in this role? How can I formulate this character? i hope that 's not a stupid question
0: no it's, no it's no it 's not at all um, I, I think yeah, we fall back on on you know old patterns and and things that that have been successful before, so we just replicate them and they 're not necessarily appropriate for what this new story is, but I would say that, that more likely the, the, the kind of actors version of writer's block is just nerves mm. um, and, and um, uh, stage fright. Um, and, and when I say stage fright, that could, that can apply to being on screen too. I mean, you, you there, there is a, there, there's a, a faith required in kind of jumping into something with both your feet generally you get used to doing it it's like jumping out of a you know of a parachute and knowing that that you're going to land safely but there are times when you just panic and you that your nerves get on top of you or your your desire to please um it gets uh, exaggerated out of all proportion and it kind of overwhelms your ability to deliver
1: right it and and I always have um, many actors tell me that they really appreciate those directors that say, you know what, they're not they're not always hands on, hands on, hands on. It's you know, you're my actor. Make this role yours. Do it. Do it. Do you find? More directors are like that, or do you find more directors are very specific about what they want? Or is it just a mixed bag?
0: It's a mixed bag. It depends. I think generally television tends to be more detail-oriented, particularly if it's a series and um, it's a bunch of different directors. Uh, you know, you've got like a 15 or 18 sh- show series a season and, you, you know, you've got like six or seven different directors come in. They tend to be uh, prescriptive, like, you know, hold this in a particular way, do this and let's make this stunt work really, really well um, on features generally you're cast in such a way that that you are being trusted for your own instincts um it's a different medium for an actor in many ways um and it allows you a little more freedom um but you know it really depends on your relationship with the director and and who it is i mean i've i've had both Uh, and i i obviously we all like being left to ourselves and and trusted stephen conrad who i've done um patriot with is mm. one wonderful in trusting the instincts of, of of a performer and he writes for that performer that's that's a wonderful thing but there are also other directors that are much more you know finicky about things and uh it doesn't bother me
1: mm, mm. no and i get that and you know we talk about you know the fact that you you've you've, te- you've taught and you've you know you continue to teach um how vital is theater, right? So every actor has their own path. How vital, and, and I know we've talked about theater, but how vital is it, do you think, to somebody becoming or honing their craft of acting? How vital is theater?
0: Well, it's the essence of performance. right? It, uh, you know, um, the energy
1: of saying something,
0: it's, it, it's Maya said it best, it's uh, a triple action. So it's action, you, you perform an action, an audience, even if it's two people, reacts, And then there's this magic that occurs, and the performer co-reacts. So what the performer does is picks up on the energy of the reaction. So uh, and this happens in life. Uh, It happens where there are more than two people. uh, So that a conversation is more than the sum of its parts. It's not just back and forth. Well, it's not just one way. It, It. accumulates and you understand that in the theater you understand if you're in a show and you're telling a story you can feel the response of the audience and they fuel the energy and the emotional pull of that particular performance and no one performance is the same and it's it's just the essence and and i think it teaches you a fundamental lesson about we're dealing with magic and we're bottling lightning you know and and So when you come to uh, a technical medium like film and television where you are determined by a lens and technical matters, you have to hit a particular mark to get an effect, you must never lose sight of that fundamental uh, relationship between two performers and the performance and the person that's viewing
1: yeah, and that's such a good point. I got to tell you, I'm, I mean, I'm not an actor. I, I love I love your work. I, I, I can appreciate it. I can never do it. I got to see nothing fr- would frighten me more than th- theater itself because it would be like a tightrope walker without a net. I mean, it's just – it would scare the, the bejesus out of me just – because if you do a TV show or movie, there's, there's – you could have another take. You can – but theater, you're just out there, you know?
0: Yeah, but your training is different too. It's like training for a marathon, you know? You, uh, okay. you go out there and go out there and go out there. So you rehearse and you rehearse and you rehearse. So by the time you actually engage an audience, you know well what you're doing. You're well-trained. You know your lines. You're not going naked. I mean, it's, it's, there's a buzz, you know, uh, and you're nervous, but it, it's actually not too bad. Sometimes I've had more of a fright on a set where I've just parachuted into a strange set. I've never met any of the people before, and I've got like um, a three-minute uh, exposition about, um, you know, uh, gun manufacturing or something, you know. This gun works in this particular way, and if you hold it this way, that will happen, you know. That, that's a little terrifying because you've been madly cramming those words the night before and you arrive on set and you have to deliver. So you go from zero to 100 rather than that the sort of more gentle theater version, which is to rehearse over a period of time.
1: How frustrating can it be for an actor, especially like yourself, if you have another actor that's going up on their lines or kind of continually holding things up? Does that happen a lot? Is that, is that a part of the process? Is it, is it normal?
0: Uh, Yeah, it is. Uh, I mean, everybody brings different game um, and uh, for different reasons. Sometimes people are uh, nervous or have been given uh, directions that aren't necessarily helpful. Um, Actors can generally figure it out. Uh, Mm. uh, I I mean, I'm I'm kind of, I don't know, I've been through a lot of different performances, so I'm pretty patient and I think that's one of the qualities that you have to, have rather than get uptight about somebody, somebody's different method or, or somebody that's struggling. You know, you, you just have to figure out what's at the root of the struggle. And sometimes if you can identify that, uh, you can actually create the magic that I was talking about earlier. You know, yeah. you can put your finger on the thing. Ah, that's what you're trying to do. Okay, well, let's help. Let's try
1: and make that moment work so that you're happy and I'm happy and and it all works out. And one of the things you, thank you so much for giving me almost 40 minutes of your time. I have a few more questions if you don't mind answering them. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So what, you're clearly passionate. So did you say this quote? Because if you did, I, I kind of want to expand on it a little bit. You said if the material was right, you'd work for free. Did you say that? Well, I did. Yeah. At
0: one point. I mean, I, I yes. I, I mean, it's, it, I, I, I'm an actor. I don't have hobbies. I don't collect things. I don't, um, build, uh, chairs in, in, you know, or construct things as a woodworker in my spare time or any of that stuff. Uh, I act and, and if I was a musician, like, a, and I played an instrument, I would be practicing my instrument. Um, the way for an actor to, uh, improve and to maintain their craft is to act. And, uh, you need other people and you need, um, stories to tell in order to do that. Um, so, so I'm hungry. I, I'm always hungry. And if it's right, I'll do it. I, I'm not in the game to be, um, a celebrity or be famous. I'm there to work. I, I passionately believe that, um, uh, the, the status of the artist in society is very, very important mm. and it should be concrete and it should be professional. And, um, so I, I, you know, I, I think it's about being good at your craft and um, accepting work as it comes along and it challenges you, rather than sort of b- being picky about. Well, is this going to advance my career or not?
1: Mm, you no, know, I, I thought it was a beautiful quote. That's why I bring it up. Um, I, I just really think it's a – mean, to a much much lesser degree, that's my attitude about podcasting. Right? The the work is its own reward. You know, talking to people like you is its own reward. I enjoy it. I, I love it, and w- what you're saying makes complete sense to me. I, I, it's just really well said. Yeah. So my last question to you is this: So do you ever watch a movie or a show? And and, and I know you're not arrogant. You're a very you're a good man. <laughs> do, but do you ever watch a show or, or, or a movie and say, you know what? I would have loved to have done that role, or I would have that would have been great. I, I, I think oh so- yeah. Oh definitely. Um, uh, I, I,
0: I I I love movies. I love stories. And and I first you know when I I, I like. Here's an example. French Connection. Uh, When I saw Gene Hackman on the streets of New York in French Connection, it was so removed from my experience growing up in the middle of England, you know, in a a lower middle class family. It was so exotic and fantastic. But I spent, like, in in my mind, I imagined being Gene Hackman. I mean, you couldn't get somebody that was further from the truth. But, but. I, you know, I, I carried that, that desire, and I see movies now where I go, wow, I'd love to have done that, or, or had a go at being in that universe, you know, um, um. and taking it in, in my direction. I generally don't look at movies and go, oh, I could have done a better
1: job than that. That's what I I didn't want it to sound like. Well, well,
0: because also that I know that everybody brings their own thing to it. And and it's a little terrifying sometimes when you're entrusted with doing a role and you land a role and you go, wait, you know, I know about six people that could do this role well. What what choices am I going to make? And and you realize that that your performance is going to end up for a number of reasons, taking a particular shape, and it's a bit terrifying. You know, there's there's a little bit of arbitrary choice making going on,
1: and, and and the the introduction and, and, and the popularity of like Netflix and Prime and Hulu. That's a that's a good thing for not only actors but for for fans alike, right? That those things give a bigger form or a bigger platform for a- actors to work. Is that how actors see that, Julian? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, and, and it's an opportunity to um
0: immerse yourself in a world like actors to be part of, um, an entire universe, um, rather than, you know, Oh, you're the guest, uh, lead, uh, this week's bad guy or whatever. There's a sense with uh, streaming that, 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 that you inhabit, um, a particular world. Uh, an example for me as Patriot with, with Steve Conrad mm. is that there's this incredible, um, state of mind that's been created by Steve. And, and, and it's like an attitude toward life. I mean, he's, it's framed in a very specific story in a specific place, but it's a way of being. And he's assembled a bunch of characters that work well together. So for me as an actor, the joy is being a part of that world that I know is going to evolve um, as the show evolves. And in fact, as Steve evolves as an artist, he's now working on a different show on epics uh, with a show called Perpetual Grace, and he's taking a lot of the components of the patriot world and putting it into the world of perpetual grace so you feel like um you're you're sort of given license to be part of a bigger universe that's that's fabulous and i think the binge watching allows us to it's the um, tv equivalent of reading novels
1: right right how how often do you go back to um oxford do you go back to england all or or is it
0: I do I'm going back next um week my mum's 91 oh congratulations so yeah so she's around and I've uh, got a couple of my two brothers that I've already mentioned they're around with their families um so I go back a fair amount um not to work so much as to visit family um yeah, um, and yeah, it's changed. I don't go back to the old homestead. You know, it's that my family's evolved and moved, and and um, I go to different cities and visit them. So, uh, and I'm always happy to come back here. Um, and, and I actually go back as a, a stranger now. And, and that's not a bad thing, I, but I realize that, you know, 35 years has passed, and I have a North American family, mm. and uh, I think differently.
1: No, that's well said. Is there anything you wanted to promote or get out there or anything you wanted to share? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, I've got a
0: couple of projects coming up. I've got an independent film called Stanleyville, which I'm excited about. I'm going to start filming that as soon as I come back. And um, all I can tell you is it's a bit of a sneak peek, but I'm going to be working on um, a film that deals with the early life of David Bowie. Oh, very which is, cool. Very which cool. would be very interesting. And again, going back to my rock and roll uh, interest, uh, uh, that's really up my alley.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, I can't thank you enough. And, and I wish you nothing but love, happiness and success for you and your family. Um, thank you so much, Julian. You're very welcome. Thank you.